Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last, Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. We've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 72. I'm Mark Hayes here at the Emirates Australian Open. Very special third round edition, joined by John Huggan. No lesser figure in world golf than John Huggan. Always nice to be with you, Mark. That was very subdued, Huggy. I'm playing it straight. Oh, that's not what I expect (laughs) from you, my good man. And on the other side of this panel, we're coming to you from the very rickety, rowdy uh, media centre tent in the middle of the Lakes Golf Club. I don't even know how to describe you anymore. It's, it's like every time you come on, you just it put us in the shade a little bit more, Ali. Alison Whitaker. This this tent is strapped down, right? Because it's I been really windy so. today. I, I was thinking about you guys out there uh, as the wind got up. Have you seen us? We're not going to blow away anything soon. <laughs> <laughs> no guide ropes requ- required here. We, we we charge them extra for our ballast factor. Ah, okay. So, so in all seriousness, Alison Whitaker's just joined us from the, direct from the Channel 7 commentary crew. How's that going for you this week? It's been great. Yeah, I mean, it's always daunting being the only female and a male commentary crew. It? Yeah, it is. And you know what, moving into the box from on course last year, it's been a bit of a different dynamic and trying to kind of hold your own because guys call you out a lot more than women do on air. And so you've, you've got to know your stuff, which has actually been really fun. Yeah, but let's, you know, let's not t- tell Pat Welsh or anyone this. <laughs> you know your stuff. <laughs> some days, some days I do. But hey, you know what, we all get a name or two wrong every now and then. But no, it's been a great week with Channel 7 so far. Awesome. You, you, have you ever got a name wrong, Huggy, in an area where it would be embarrassing? I wouldn't say that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Very solid work from you. I knew you'd come to play. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Right from the top, let's go on the scoreboard. I sort of stumbled through the uh, running order last night. Millions of people responded with who? <laughs> okay, yeah, that one. Fair now, play. Let, let's go. We've had a, a magnificent day at the, at the Lakes Golf Club here today, highlighted by... We'll talk about it in a second, but one of the most magnificent rounds. We've had the great fortune in the past three or four Australian Open Championships to see one dazzling piece of brilliance. Today it came from a, a source unexpected to some, not to all, Huggy. We'll touch on that too. But Abraham Answer shot a seven under par 65 in very testing, windy conditions. Where Talk away, you guys. How good was that? Well, um, Keegan Bradley summed it up pretty well. I talked to him when he finished his, his round, and he said that it's the best round he's seen this year. Nine birdies in those conditions was exceptional. I mean, truly exceptional. Uh, Keegan Bradley was very happy with his 71. <laughs> you know, in the, yeah. He said anything under par was a good score, so 65 was just out of this world. Well, let's put it in perspective, Ali. He's, he's jumped five clear uh, of a, on a, what was a very congested leaderboard. You would have expected when we sat here last night that we'd have a red-hot contest on our hands. Is it over at a five-shot lead for the Mexican? 
Uh, on some courses it would be. I, I genuinely think that. Around this layout, I've got to say no, simply because of some of the scores that this golf course has already been producing. We've, I think we've had more others, yeah. so not even double bogeys, past the double bogey, um, than I can ever remember seeing at an Australian Open, and that's just the lakes. There's so much trouble that comes into play, and then you throw in the wind and the rain, and all bets are off. I couldn't yeah, agree yeah, with you more. As soon as you've got water involved, you, you bring in multiple bogeys. I mean, we've seen nines and tens and all sorts this week. So the disaster is always there for somebody. It's looming, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, we're, we're, the guy played incredibly well today. And if he plays like that, even close to that again tomorrow, it's all over. But, you know, you never know. One bad shot can lead to a triple bogey. Especially, on the, we should mention, the first and the tenth hole, we, we talked about it in the broadcast, they are really polarising holes. You can make birdie there, but you can make a huge number at the start of your day. And we've seen that already in the, in the first three rounds. But we could very much find ourselves in a position after 12 minutes of being with that final group tomorrow where the lead's down to two or three or something like that just off one bad shot. Yeah, Couldn't well, agree with you more. The classic example is the defending champion this week, Cam Davis, who's... If you let the, him play maybe five or six holes again this week, he, he might be six shots clear. Yeah. I mean, he's had an unbelievable number of nines and eights and all sorts, and he's still under par for the week. I mean, he's he might be the story of the week other than the leader, to be honest. We could play an entire Australian PGA to a season without a 10. Mm. We had three on Thursday. It's extraordinary. And just underlines your point. So let's run through the leaderboard a bit more thoroughly. Number two slot on the leaderboard is the reigning Australian amateur champion, Keita Nakajima. Now, I'm, scou- I'm scurrying through the record books to try and find um, a winner of the Australian Open and amateur in the same year. I'm yet to get, reach a year where that's uh, viable. I'm still searching. I got clearly past World War II, and I haven't found anyone yet. Remarkable achievement if the young Japanese player can get that done. Tied for third, a shot back at seven under. Uh, the aforementioned Keegan Bradley and Marcus Fraser, who had uh, mixed thoughts about his round today. Aaron Pike, uh, originally from uh, for the Northern Territory. We're going to give the NT a shout here. A beautiful round of five under. He had a really uh, hot opening nine today and he vaulted into contention. He's at six under alongside Dimi Papadados, Cam Percy, and the man who many thought would probably be in the lead at this stage, Matt Kuchar at six under. I want to ask you two directly after that, is anyone further back than that any chance tomorrow? No, I mean I think you, you can't go any lower than Kutcher. I mean, he was he was my you know Keegan Bradley as well. But the earlier today I was telling people if you beat Matt Kutcher you're probably going to win this tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean that needs to be revised based on how well the leader played today. But uh, yeah, I mean any anyone lower than that is is completely unrealistic. A because there's so many shots behind it. A because there's too many bodies with you. And just to reiterate, the unbelievable round of Abraham Answer, Dave Michaluzzi, who played alongside him today, went one step further than Keegan Bradley. And Michaluzzi himself shot a. You might want to talk about him in a second, Ali, but uh, he shot a, a relatively impressive under the pump uh, as a leader of the Australian Open or a, a contender in the Australian Open. Two over past 74 to four back to five under. Describe Abraham Answer's round from watching it in the front row as the single best round he's ever seen. I couldn't disagree with that. And I think every now and then, and you've both been in golf for so long, there are rounds that you mark down mainly due to conditions. Mm. And this golf course, when you look at 2010 to 2012, there was a 15-shot differential between the winners in those two years, purely because of the wind. You know, you look at Jeff Ogilvie versus Peter Senior, and normally it'd be kind of a no contest, but this golf course has a tendency of bringing other people into the fray. And 
And to go back to your question, Abraham answer, he's in form. He, oh, yeah. he shot 65 in the first round last week. His last 30, well, he's 36 under par for the last 10 worldwide starts. Um, he's gone low and he's done it again today. I mean, that was what, nine under, 10 under on a, on a regular day around yeah. this golf course? Yeah, I mean, we should not be surprised. As you say, I mean, he, he's been a name that's popped up almost every week for the last two or three months. Yeah. I mean, if, if people have not heard of this guy, they've not been paying attention, to be honest. Well, I, I, you know, Huggy, we, we had this chat here on uh, Tuesday. We gave all our, all gave our predictions, and mm. someone singled him out as their favourite. Yeah. No, no, I can't remember <laughs> that. No, you no. guys don't want to talk about this. It's the no. elephant in the room. No, I can't remember it. No. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Otherwise, I'll, I'll, I'll have my own yeah. broadcasting licence stripped. Um, th- those stats, Ali, uh, which thank you for bringing some actual, you know, practical yes. research into the room because it's not our strong suit on Inside the Ropes, let's yeah. be honest. But uh, what they do, I, I absolutely, I did predict him early because I think he's a, a star in the making. What it doesn't show is that he led twice on the USPGA Tour this season, once in particular in the FedEx Cup playoffs where he was a, a strong contender until late and didn't finish it off. How, as a professional golfer, have you dealt with that? Uh, what do you think's going through his mind? as he sleeps on a National Open Championship lead. He's only ever won one professional tournament in his career. This is a big stage for him tomorrow. It is a massive stage. And you know what? If I was him, I'd be thinking, if I can get through, say, the first six holes. Six of the hardest nine holes on this golf course are on the front nine. So if you can actually get off to a start where you don't lose too many shots and you just kind of keep your wits about you, then you could run away with it. So I'd really be kind of prepping myself and, and getting myself ready to be nervous on the first tee about how to make a good swing and how to make just bogeys at worst, which is something that he talked about doing today in his press conference. He just he limited the damage. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the biggest danger player-wise tomorrow to the leader is Bradley because Bradley's not playing too badly himself. I mean, he's, his last two starts on the PGA Tour, he's 24 under par for the eight rounds. He's only he's been under par for seven of those eight and he's been under par... Every, around this week so far. I mean, he's not known as a great putter, but if he gets hot tomorrow and, and holds some early and cuts it down to, as you say, the first six or seven holes are really vital. If he can get the, the lead down to maybe two by the, before the turn, you know, all bets are off at that point. What do you think, Ali, about Kada Nakajima? Now, I, I, do you want to say something else before I no, diverge? No, go for it. I'm ready for this. <laughs> oh, you're up for everything. You always are. <laughs> um did you take in much of his game today that you uh, would just blew your mind for someone who uh, is not only an amateur and doesn't speak the language brilliantly, although he's vastly improved. I have to say, having interviewed him after he won the Australian Amateur, his English has gone through the roof. My Japanese isn't that flash huggy, just for the record. Not mine. <laughs> we won't get you guys to do the winner's interview if he, if he punches it tomorrow. Well, that's it. My English is a bit dodgy. Though, <laughs> Japanese. Your Scottish is magnificent, though. Um... What did you see in his game today that makes... Or did you see anything? I shouldn't put words in your mouth. Did you see anything that makes you think this is a star in the making? Did you see something that you think could be suspect under the final round pressure of an Australian Open? What what, were you, what was your take on Kata Nakajima? Uh, well, I think going into today, we'd actually... We'd seen more of Takumi Kanaya. And if you're going to compare the two, they both played on the World Amateur Teams Championship um, earlier this year together. I, I think that Nakajima 
just seems to have a much more solid game. There's there's much fewer moving parts in his golf swing. Um, it's much more sound technically in theory, but you know what? Non-technical yeah. golf swings work all the time. What's orthodox? Exactly. You know, and so he's 18 years of age from Tokyo, and I just feel like I, I wouldn't rule him out. He's one of those guys that, you know, he won a gold medal at the Asian Games, and Japanese player has never done that before early this year. So um, he's already broken records. What else can he do? And I, I want to say I watched the final blow for blow in the Australian Amateur Championship against David Michaluzzi, no less, who, you know, is, was right in contention here yesterday, and he was under the pump, bulletproof. Just repeatable swing, solid mentally. Uh, I think he's got a huge future. Yeah, plus he's in the nothing-to-lose position. I mean, he, you know, if he doesn't win, no one's going to think anything of it. But if he wins, it's a huge deal for him. He'd be the first amateur win to win since Aaron Baddeley in 1999 as well. And we're still searching those record books for the, for the double. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try and get there. that somebody way back in the day when the amateurs were the best players. I mean, that's the only possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's still unlikely, I would think. I'll, I'll, I'll promise I'll have that. Might be March, I think. I'll You're going to blow the dust, <laughs> blow yeah. the dust off the, the record books tonight. Are there any other rounds? You meant, you touched on Cam Davis uh, earlier, and Cam Smith is another big name coming into this tournament. Any, anyone else you guys want to talk about today? Cam Smith, uh, probably a little bit disappointing. Um, with a couple of bad blemishes, probably cost him any momentum. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, I mean, you know what? For for both of those guys coming in with the spotlight on them, they had a lot of stuff to do before the, the tournament started. And quite frankly, for both of them to put themselves into any sort of position tomorrow is actually a, a pretty massive fight back of, yeah. of sorts. I mean, they're not probably going to win, but even to be you know, there in the afternoon time slot on a Sunday. But, but how, how those guys have played, the, the Cam Smiths of this, of this world, how they've played this week is an indication of how even the five-shot lead is not safe tomorrow. Yep. It doesn't take much to shoot 74 around here in these conditions. So, you know, it wouldn't... Keegan Bradley shoots 68. Can you see the leader shooting 74? Yes. I mean, that's entirely possible. I so mean, can you see Cam Davis shooting 61? No. Yeah, no. But I, you never know if he eliminates the nines and the eights. You never know with him. That's true. And and he's shown a capacity in both his professional wins so far to just really just go berserk on the back nine, even, in the final round. So the 65 today, that's that's pretty much as low as you can see anybody doing, if the win stays the same. True. True enough. Well, let's talk about uh, the other big event here this week, the Australian All Abilities Championship, presented by ISPS Hander. Um I've had the great privilege of watching this for the past couple of days up close and personal. And yesterday, uh, and Huggy and I were out there watching. They, were, Let's be honest, they were as nervous as hell. Hmm. There were three or four holes that the leader said he didn't know where he was going. He was that stressed. So today, we saw, obviously, trying conditions. We saw some unbelievable golf out there. I, I know the scores by... Uh, PGA Tour standards aren't going to sound super, but I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of scores was, were recorded today by these guys that would be traded for <laughs> in a millisecond by the professionals today. And most notably, um, I, I'm going to single this guy out, from Sawtell Golf Club, Cameron Pollard. He was the last-minute call-up to the field when um, a gentleman, and I'm going to... I think he was from Costa Rica. I'm not sure. I apologise if he's not. Um, was unable to get a visa. Cameron Pollard answered the call came down here. He's 19, 18, 18 years of old from Sawtell Golf Club right near Coffs Harbour. A, a four handicapper. Uh, has autism. Today, 
piled on from the back tees in 30 kilometre an hour winds, five birdies. Honestly, honestly, just breathtaking golf. It, it's humbling, isn't it? I mean, oh. I, I, like, as you said, I mean, I watched a bit of it yesterday with you, and my goodness, it's it makes you think to yourself, why why do I moan and groan about anything in life? It's and very certainly true. on the golf course. I mean, these are inspirational people, and this week's more about being seen and being you know accepted. How, Sure, they've got some credibility as golfers and as sportsmen more than the scores. I mean, the scores yeah. don't really matter. It's it's all about being seen and people being aware that these people can actually do what they do. I agree with that, but the scores matter to them. Well, that's right. <laughs> They're they golfers, are. of course. They're it does. brutal competitors. Juan Postigo, Ali, who I'm sure you've seen during the week, uh, he also had the same score today, 78. Played the played the. The very exposed corners of the back nine out around the lakes. He said he was really struggling, especially on the putting, um, to stand still. Uh, <laughs> the poor bloke doesn't even bat an eyelid at the things that he challenge him in life. It's just his life. So well, what else should, is there? You should make it clear this guy's got one leg. Oh, sorry, yeah. good point, Huggy. <laughs> he's got one leg. And he's standing there out and exposed in the elements today. He said he was wobbling a bit over a few putts. 78 he had today, Ellie. That is super, and off the same tees, no less, yeah. as as everyone else this this week. And the thing that I love about the All Abilities Championship this week is it gives everyone, no matter what your gender, no matter what your physical appearance is, it gives you the permission to have the same dream as everyone else, to, to finish out on the 18th hole in front of the crowds, in front of the TV, and f- dream of winning that Australian Open. I just think that is it's so crucial and, and such a, a priceless experience that now these guys are privy to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that 65 of answers might not be the round of the day. That 78 might be the best round, you know. Yeah. It's close, absolutely. Um, I, I can't wait to... Everyone check out stories we write on the All Abilities Championship on the uh, ozopengolf.com website later. I've got some quotes in there in the story I haven't written yet. They're just unbelievable. I just want to point out one quick one. Uh, Juan Postigo came across to the score return area and just like all the pros, um, a couple of kids came over. One in particular came, can I, excuse me, Juan, can I please have your glove? And I thought, oh, he's going to play in the comp round with that on Tuesday. You know, he just <laughs> needs a glove. Yeah. Uh, he promised he was going to frame it and then I, I thought about it and I talked to him later. I went and tracked him down, had a bit of a chat to him. He said, he's a... 14-year-old, uh, relatively low handicap already, and he said he's spent the last two days watching Juan Postigo uh, hop around the course on his on his leg, and he said he's totally inspired him. He wants to win the Australian Open, play as a professional in America, and he said, when I go back and practice, this is a little 14-year-old boy being interviewed by big fat me. I will have bad days, and when I do, I will think of Juan Postigo playing in the Australian Open. I don't even know. That's the end of the advertisement for the Australian All Abilities Championship. Yeah. That's pretty special to me. Well, absolutely. I mean, and he, he hits the ball so solidly. I've watched him on the range. I've watched him on the course. He hits it solid on one leg. I mean, yeah. goodness me. It's, it's remarkable. It is brilliant. So let's quickly run the leaderboard there. From Sweden, Johan Kammerstad. Uh, How's my Swedish, Ellen? Solid. You know, he's from the same town as uh, major winner Anna Nordquist as well, Eskul Stuna over in Sweden. Don't ask me to spell it. Oh. I saw that coming. <laughs> Gun me down. He's uh, leader at 16 over the card. Adam Wabi, who uh, was leading until the last hole, had a few uh, tribulations up the 18th, which was brutal for everyone today. He's 18 over. Brendan Lawler from Ireland is 19. But then the field really concertinas. Jeff Nicholas has come up into contention at 21. Cameron Pollard and Juan Postigo at 21 and 24. Charles-Henri Quillon 
is 26 over the world number one. Don't laugh at my friend's pronunciation either. That's brutal. Shane Luke at 32. Timo Clishan at 34. And Stephen Pryor and Ashley Harris and Mike Rolls. 38, 41 and 41 respectively. Um, the numbers are irrelevant. It was brutal out there. So get along and watch them. If you're in Sydney and listening to this, please get out here. It's something that you'll live with for the rest of your life. It'll be fantastic. It's certainly what? worth a note of your day, that's for sure. Oh, it absolutely is. Anything else you want to put on the table, Ali? Uh, no, I think you nailed it. I'm, I'm digging this week, honestly, and everything that it stands for in that regard, but also the storylines we have coming up tomorrow in the final round. Should be a fun Sunday. Yeah, it really I, should. Yeah, I'm, you know, I've been getting a bit tired of hearing this week about who isn't here and all the rest of it, that golf always transcends at the end. I mean, the golf makes the thing, and we've got a great leaderboard. We've got, as you say, there's some potential storylines there. If the guy comes back, he could, you know, this could be the emergence of a new star. We've got all kinds of things going on. It's wonderful. I like to think that if uh, our man Abraham Anser can salute tomorrow and get the confidence uh, that that will necessarily bring in his life, that he, you know, he he'll forever look on the Australian Open as something really special to him, and hopefully others do the same. And we're going to get three guys with a chance to go to Port Rush next July and play in the Open as well. That's another brilliant point, Huggy. You're, you're, you've brought a lot yeah, to the table today. Well, you know, I, I try. You haven't brought Ellie's stats. No, no. <laughs> you know, and I've got less hair, but that's another <laughs> Everyone has less <laughs> hair than me, though. <laughs> well, that's it. Episode number 72 of Inside the Ropes. A very special edition at the Australian, uh, the Lakes Golf Club as well as the Australian Open Championships. See, I tried to dig myself out. didn't work. Uh, the Emirates Australian Open uh, special series that we're doing. One more show tomorrow after the fourth and final round here at the Lakes Golf Club. Thank you very much, John Huggin, Alison Whitaker. Always a pleasure. And we'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. Thank you.